this morning, um, I'd like you to, to, to turn in your Bibles um, <clears throat> to the book of James. Book of James, James chapter 4. You know, if there's one book of the Bible that uh, if you just want to get kind of, dare I say, beat up a little bit, go ahead and read James. Kind of takes care of it. You know, James is rather just straightforward, blunt, uh, willing to smack you around a little bit and uh, gets to the whole point of why he's smacking you around. Um, and, <laughs> um, he, he's a very interesting writer. I like his, I like his style, uh, because it just gets right to the point of the matter. And, uh, in, in James chapter four, there's, there's a lot that's going on, but, but, but the main subject that I want to focus on in, in, in this passage is in verse seven. And it says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And this morning, I want to talk about the importance of submission, subjection, and yielding. And those are words that nobody likes to hear. Because immediately, you know what happens? We rise up within ourselves and say, no one will have rule over me. Well, generally, when nobody has rule over you, then something will find a place to, will find that place of ruling and will rule over you. But what we find here is we find that James just comes out and he says, you know, part of the problem that, that exists in the previous uh, verses about why people are fighting and sinning and doing all sorts of stuff is because there's a lack of submission to God. There's just a lack of submission to God. And this is the subject matter this morning. To whom are we subject? To whom do we submit ourselves? And do we yield ourselves to the right kind of influence? Before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time. I thank you again for an opportunity, Lord, to study this subject matter. And Lord, it's a heavy subject matter. It is one that is very important. And we all should realize this and understand this. And Lord, I just pray that this morning that these passages that we see from your word will shape us, will guide us, will frame our thought processes, will uh, change the affections and desires of our heart, Lord, uh, to be in line with you and your word and your will. I pray, Lord, that this morning you'd speak through me, that this time would be pleasing and honoring unto you. I pray, Lord, that we would just have a desire to be receptive and that we would be yielded unto you this morning as we listen to you and what you have to tell us. I thank you again for all that you've done for us, above all the salvation that we have through you, that even makes this possible and the understanding of the importance of it. I thank you again, Lord, for, for just bringing us together. Pray for those that could not be here this morning. And Lord, I just pray you bring them back to us safe. But Lord, again, I just thank you for those that are here. I pray, Lord, we'd be edifying one another, encouraging one another, and that this time, Lord, would be glorifying unto you. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So in James chapter 4, just coming right out of the gate, is this issue of submission. And when we start talking about things of submission, we, we, we really get into one of those areas where, you know, people get uncomfortable. 
Because there's a lot of talk about, you know, women submitting themselves uh, to their husbands, and then that gets a little dicey. People don't necessarily want to hear that. Uh, we get to the point of where it talks about submitting to authorities and powers that are over us, and that gets dicey, and people don't want to do that. And, and they start creating the justification things. Well, you know, you wouldn't necessarily expect me to submit to somebody that is evil and wicked, well, uh, let's put it this way. The powers that be are ordained of God. We get the people that we deserve. Yeah, Germany deserved Hitler. Iraq deserves Saddam Hussein. We deserve who we have now. And we say, well, really, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, we're trying to do, well... You know, maybe as Christians, we need to start doing a little bit better. Maybe we need to start telling more people about Jesus Christ. Maybe we need to start uh, preaching the gospel more. Maybe we need to start living right. Maybe we just need to stand up for righteousness a little bit more. But, I, but I'll tell you this, you know, we, we run into that whole subject uh, issue of where people are going to start justifying, saying why they can't submit to God. But I start off with this passage because it shows the dynamic if, if we are not submitted to God, we can't resist the devil. Because that's the order. Submit, then resist. But you know what people want to do? They hear the word sub- submit and they immediately say, I'm going to resist. <laughs> Isn't that the way it works? You know, as a child, you, you, you know, you're under the authority of your mom and dad and the mom and dad say, do this. And, and what happens in that child's life is resistance. We start a resistance movement. We try to get others into our rebellion and call them along and say, hey, will you join me in, in, in this oppression? You know, shrugging off these, these bond, this bondage. Well, you know, obviously we do that in every area of our life. When it comes to work, when it comes to government, and, and that's why government fails. Uh, when, when it comes to even come to the, it comes to this point of, of, of God, people do not want to submit themselves to God. They, they, they don't want to, uh, resist the devil, they'd rather have that influence or they would try to fight him themselves. And that can't happen. We have no power to fight the devil. Right. I mean, let's just put it this way. God is God because he's God. Okay? I know that seems kind of redundant in its saying, but but that's the case. He's the creator of the universe. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. Uh, I mean, it, 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 there's just, again, nothing surprises him. He's God. Okay. And, and we understand that from scripture, but we also understand that the devil is very powerful. He's a, he's described as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Uh, we, we see the power described, um, kind of in the book of Job as Leviathan, which is a dragon that's there and talking and making that comparison and, and God's asking Job, are you going to take on that dragon? You're going to take that, you're going to take that sea serpent on. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to take that thing. And, and, and those are fearsome. It's a fearsome creature, whatever that thing is. 
But it very much typifies exactly who the devil is because he is called that old dragon, that serpent. It's what he's referred to as in Scripture. So we know he's powerful. Look at what he did to Job. He caused wind. He, he, he influenced individuals to go and do things evil against Job. He had the ability to plague Job and his health. He's, he's got some power behind him. When's the last time you controlled the wind? Did you go out this, this past few days and say, it will not snow on my property? No. That didn't happen. You, you, you all got snow unless you were an area that didn't get snow. It's, it's just, that's the way it works, right? You have no control over that. He does. Prince of the power of the air, as he's described. Working in the children of disobedience. But here's the thing, is we're either going to submit to God or we're going to fail in resisting sin. And this is what it boils down to. And any discussion about any of these terms has to start here. It has to start with this understanding first, that submission with God. It it has to start there. Because we cannot learn to submit to uh, authority governmental, authority employment-wise. We cannot submit uh, in authority uh, that is related to parental. We can't submit in any way, shape, or form until there's an understanding that God is who we submit to first. Because once we submit to God, then everything else falls in line. It falls in line. How we submit to him is going to dictate how we submit to those he places over us. And yeah, he places people over you. Why? Because you need it. You need it. Don't we need people ruling over us? Don't we need people kind of telling us, no, don't do that? Man does. Mankind is, I mean, good grief. First thing that happens after Noah gets off the boat, God institutes capital punishment. You take a life, your life is required. The first law that was issued in a governmental form, that others had the right to take your life if you murdered somebody. Wow. And here we are in this day and age, and what have we done with that law? We've thrown it away. But initially, you know, people will be like, well, hold on a second. There could be somebody that's innocent in there, so we got to be careful. I understand that concept. I understand that concept. I get it. I get it. There's sometimes shoddy investigation work. And there's bad judges and, and, and all of that. But the percentage of that that happens with the percentage of people that willingly and knowingly murder and execute individuals, come on. Wasn't it just the other day that somebody was asking, saying, I want you to grant me the death penalty? In court, he said, I want you to kill me. Because I am a sick person. I want to die. Because that's the right thing to do. 
How horrible is it to realize that the only right thing to do at the end of your life after living a life of being a murderer was to have your life taken? The only right thing he seemed to do. But we go through all of this and we realize that it has to, we have to submit to those that God places over us. Turn over to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10, we find the issue why Israel had some, some problems with God and having Christ rule over them. In Romans chapter 10, it says here, uh, in verse, uh, 2, for I bear them record, talking about Israel, they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. There's a problem when you really like God, but you don't really want to know who he is. There's a problem with that. If you're like, oh man, I love the Lord. Are you reading your Bible? Well, not really. Well, I really like the things of God and I like talking about it. But, 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 but yeah, I'm not willing to listen to or study the word of God. Eh, there's a problem. They like talking about God. The Pharisees like talking about God. But they like talking about it with their lips. But he was not in their heart, as Christ said. But he says here, he says, They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. There's the word submission again. They haven't submitted. They haven't submitted. The main principle of submission to God is, is, is doing what he says is right. To submit to God, we have to submit to what God says is right and not argue about it. If God says don't do that, then don't do that. The other day I was, I was, I was talking about, you know, the, the, that, uh, you know, giving the overview of the Bible in 60 seconds, what each book is about. And it came to the book of Leviticus and it said, don't do gross stuff. And then it came to Deuteronomy and it was seriously, stop doing gross stuff. <laughs> and, 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 and you get to those books and you realize there's a lot of stuff in there that you're like, ew, ew, oh, really? Ah. And he says, I have a level and I, there's a standard and this doesn't meet that. Don't do that. Don't do those things. And if God says don't do it, then maybe we should not do it. I mean, that's a simple thing, I and mean, it maybe seemed like a simple concept this morning, but when you start talking about submission, we make it overly complex. We put in all sorts of rules of justification about whether we're really going to obey, whether we're really not, whether we're going to actually follow through with that. But, but here's the concept. We're either going to submit ourselves under the righteousness of God and what he says is right, or we're not going to submit ourselves to God. And we're going to do that which is right in our own eyes. Now, isn't that a problem? When we start doing that which is right in our own eyes, we wind up over there where the book of Judges. And what happened when they did that which is right in their own eyes? They went into that B word, bondage. And you know what Paul calls sin? Bondage. And he says, if you're going to yield yourself unto sin, you're going to be in bondage now let me ask you this question is bondage a willing submission or is it forced it's forced you will do you will do 
The reason we have all the protections that we put in place uh, when we founded this country was so that the government wouldn't get to that point and force us to do stuff that we shouldn't do. To take away things such as being able to read the Bible, attend church, talk about God openly. Those things, those principles. But when we start looking at what what, what, what man does is man, again, produces this idea of, like, oh, well, no, hey, I know what's right. I'm going to dictate what's right and wrong. Well, if I dictate what's right and wrong, then I put myself in that preeminent position. I put myself in the position of God. I have to be careful with this. I mean, here, here we are talking about a lack of submission uh, is, is, you know, lack of submission, uh, to his righteousness in a believer's heart. You know what that's going to do? Is going to create pride. That's what, a, that, that's what rebellion is. That's what refusing to obey is. That's what failing to yield is. That's when we say, I will not be subject. We're entering into rebellion. And God says in, 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 in scripture, he's never condoned it. There's one time he told one, one king about rebelling against Assyria, but that was after they got their heart right. That was after they got their heart right. But other than that, he's never condoned it. As a matter of fact, he talks about rebellion in a very negative sense, as it is sin, as it's sinful. And a lack of submission to his righteousness is due to, if you will, an unbelieving heart, and it's going to be an elevation of ourselves in pride. Why? He says they went about to set, uh, uh, um, uh, to establish their own righteousness. Not God's righteousness, but their own. Our righteousness is better than God's. No. Because as the book of Isaiah says, our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. We want to do a comparison. Here's his nice, clean, you know, white, pure. This is his righteousness. This is what he wants us to do. We take our own righteousness and we look at it as the rag that you used to clean a dirty, greasy engine. And then you decided to maybe, you know, clean the outhouse with. And then you decided to pick up stuff out of the yard from the dog. And you're like, oh, that's gross. That's what God thinks of your sin, okay? That's how God views your sin. Gross. It's an abomination to him. He looks at it and says, no, I can't allow any of that in. And we come with that and we say, I want into heaven. And God says, no. God says, I, you know, I, I want you to live this life in righteousness that I've given you as a believer. And we say, no, I want to wear these old things. You're like, no, I've given you new robes of righteousness. Wear that. No, I want to wear this old filthy garment. 
There's a big difference. There's a big difference. Take a look at Romans chapter 8, a couple of chapters before Romans chapter 8. In verse 7, and, and, and here's, here's the mindset. Here's the actual mindset. He says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. If we are thinking all about ourselves and we are thinking only in the flesh and we're thinking only about things that are, are, are benefiting us and we're thinking about me, 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 and mine, 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 mine all the time, it's carnal. And it's at enmity with God. There's a disagreement. As a matter of fact, there's a severe disagreement. To the point where we become, if you will, an enmity and enemy have the same root. We're against him. And here he's saying enmity against God. You really want to go against God? I've known a couple of people that have been involved in some of that UFC and MMA stuff and things like that. I'm sure some other people have, you know, had individuals in here. And if we were to bring a couple of those guys in here, you know, these guys that are willing to go into a ring and just get beat to the bloody pulp, and they're they're coming here and 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 you say, hey, you know what? Um, I, I want you to go against this guy. Is anybody in here willing to volunteer for that? I actually saw a, a fight. Uh, they have, uh, they have. Sometimes they, they they allow women in these fights like that, and uh, it's brutal. Um, and this one gal, she had uh, portrayed herself as some sort of fighter or something like that. And she goes in. She's wearing all the wrong clothes, and she's wearing everything. It just everything about her is like this is not a fighter. And this other gal's like looking at her like. Seriously, this is who I have to fight? And I, I think it was like within 30 seconds, you know, she comes out and she's she's doing the, the flailing thing. She's like, like this, you know. And the other gal's like, you know, like batting them away and then like poof, getting, you know, some hooks in there and stuff like that. And then finally, you know, she keeps, you know, doing this and, and she finally pushes her back and, and knocks her to the ground and she she gets back up and she does this as she gets back up. Like this. You know what that's a signal for? Knock me out cold. And you know what the gal did? She's like, okay. Whack! Just, I mean, right across the jaw. Down she goes. And you're just like, what? You know that's what the fight would be? Again, I'm using that to say, you want to go against God? But this is what happens when we take a carnal mindset and we take our own righteousness and we say, I won't submit to God. And he says, because the carnal mind is, is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Why? Because our flesh and our mindset doesn't want to be subject to what God's laws are. It doesn't like it. Why? Because it means it has to be put into a position of where, hey, you're dead last. Where the flesh and its desires, you know what our flesh wants? Our flesh wants to be number one. It wants to be number one. Perfect example. Try to merge 
on a freeway. My friend, he was he, he was coming uh, over to our house for a while, and he he hates these roundabouts. But he's from Wyoming, so we we give him grace. But uh, he uh, um, actually was from South Dakota, but Wyoming is where he kind of calls home. But he he comes uh, through these roundabouts, and he said that first roundabout, he says it's a drag strip. You come through that first roundabout and all those two lanes kind of merge into one. And what happens? Everybody all of a sudden just guns it, right? To get there first so that they can get there and be slow in the same traffic that's slow. (laughs) You went, hey, I got in front of that guy. I cut off that Prius. Yeah. If you drive a Prius or if you drive an electric car, you just resign yourself. I'm going to get cut off. You just you don't mind it. It's actually kind of therapeutic. You just drive along and you're like, I don't care. Oh yeah, you got a big truck. Thank you. You don't care. But I mean, at some point in time, it's just this idea and this desire of I got to be first. I got to be first. I got to be first. You know, that's what our flesh is. I got to be first. I got to be first. I got to be first. It doesn't want to be subject to the law of God that tells you, you have to wait. You need to take a back seat. Because it's not all about pleasing you. And our flesh doesn't want to be subject to that. So it's a battle. It's a fight. Because we, again, are going to want what we want. So God had put some things, some, if you will, some guidance and some, some, if you will, uh, um, kind of a hierarchy in our lives where we have to be subject to certain people. We have to submit to certain people. Go over to Romans chapter 10 while we're there. Well, actually, first, before we go there, let's go over to Luke chapter 2. I want you to see something. Luke chapter 2. You've been reading Luke chapter two and just going along and you're reading, you're reading, you're reading, and you're, you get to this point of where, you know, you, you go through this and you see that, um, uh, um, you know, Jesus Christ is born and goes through all of, uh, uh, him, uh, um, you know, growing up and, and, and things that happen. And, and in Luke chapter two, uh, I want you to go over to like the, the, the very last part of this. Where, where, you know, they, they've left him behind in the temple. They go back and they find him. They ask him what he was doing. He says that he, he was do, doing his father's business. But you get to this last part in, in, um, um, in verse 50. And they understood not that the saying which he spoke unto them. They didn't understand what he was talking about. But here's what happened. And he went down, Jesus talking about him with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Well, why is he increasing in, in favor with God and man? Why was he increased in wisdom and stature? Because he was willing to be subject. Because he was willing to be subject. Well, who was he willing to be subject unto? His parents. Let's ask this question. Do you think that Jesus Christ knew a little bit more than his parents? Do you, do, 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 I mean, here he is, he is having a debate with the priests in the temple. He's talking with them. He has more biblical knowledge than them. 
He's God. I understand he's God in the flesh. I understand he limited himself, but he's God. And here we find in verse 46, he says that they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of doctors, both hearing them and asking questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. And and when they saw him, they were amazed. They're like, wait, what is going on? Could you imagine? Take one of your kids, and all of a sudden he wakes up one morning and he starts talking to you in a totally foreign language of mathematics and science and physics and everything else, and he's got all of this knowledge. And and I'm talking about, like, say, a young kid. Let's take a young kid. Let's say Titus. Titus wakes up and he starts talking to, 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 to Timothy nationally and he says, I, I, I want, I want some more books about Albert Einstein and the theory of relativity. <laughs> Cats can, that's great. Yeah. What's going on here? Something, something's not right. Something's not right. It's not normal for a child to be doing that. But here he is, this child, and he's, he's, he's sitting there and he's debating with doctors. Now look, now we're talking about doctors of the law, because there's a lot to debate with doctors of medicine, I can tell you that. But that being said, uh, here he is, doctors of law. You know what we call those today? Lawyers. He's sitting around a bunch of lawyers, because that's what they have. They have, they have that JD, that's a doctorate of law. And there they are sitting there and, and, and having this, you know, this discussion with them. Uh, he's having this discussion with them and carrying on about all the things of the law and teaching them and showing them. He's asking them questions, which I'm sure were just as question, you know, thought-provoking as all the other questions that are asked throughout the Gospels. And then they're asking him questions, and he's giving them answers that they've never even thought of or heard of because, again, they have not been submitting themselves to the righteousness of God. And they're starting to see a pattern here, and they're amazed, and they're astonished, and everybody's got their jaw dropped open. Do you think that Jesus knew a little bit more than them? Young person today, do you think maybe you might have a little bit more knowledge than your parents? Well, you need to do exactly what Jesus did. Otherwise, you will not gain uh, uh, favor with God or man, and you will not grow in wisdom and stature. What does that mean? You got to be subject. Got to be subject. And I guarantee you, that's not something that you wanted to hear on a Sunday morning, is it? <laughs> it's not something that you want to hear. But, 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 no, 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 no. Jesus had every single last one of those reasons and justifications covered perfectly. Right. Legitimately. We don't. He did. And you know what he said? I'm still going to be subject unto Joseph, who's not really my dad, and my mom, Mary. I'm going to do what they tell me to do. Remember, the Bible said he had to learn obedience. Now, that's an amazing thing for us to think about. But I want to say this. If if Jesus Christ was willing to come down here on this earth, be born in the same way that we are, and, and, and be in the same type of flesh that we have, and he was willing to be subject, what, we can't? 
there's a problem. And you know what that is? It's called pride. Take a look over at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Here he is. He just submitted unto his parents. There's a whole slew of verses. I got a couple here. I'll use them as some examples. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. So before he starts talking about wives submitting yourselves unto your own husbands, in verse 21 he says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. He he makes it very clear here. He's saying that you're not supposed to be drunk with wine, wherein is excess in verse uh, 18, but be filled with the Spirit. You know what that excess is? That's self. Self Self-indulgence. Self-indulgence. Doesn't mean excess of more than what you should have. No, it means self-indulgence. Let's be careful with our words. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to your uh, to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You've got to have that right heart that you're sitting there, if you will, says speaking and to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, making and singing uh, or singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Sometimes it's privately. Sometimes you're just singing a, a song of praise to God for all that's, that, that he's done for you. I'll tell you, you sing that type of song of psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, you're going to be pretty content with what you've got. Why? Because you're praising God in song for all of it. Lord, thank you for my life. I could be dead. <laughs> that's a horrible song. I'm sorry. <laughs> But sometimes that's the way it is, right? Lord, thank you that I got up this morning, body parts stayed on, didn't fall off. Lord, thank you that I can at least move. Praise God for all that. But here he says, doing all this, he says, giving thanks always for God and all, uh, for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what your songs are supposed to be about. Song of Thanksgiving. Song of Thanksgiving. And he says here, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. You know what happens when you've got the song of God in your heart and you're singing, making melody, and you've got that right type of submission to God? You know what happens? You're thankful for all that's happened. You're thankful for those that are around you. You give thanks for them, and you start submitting yourself to that other person that's in your life. Regardless of who they are. This is an overarching, if you will, commandment that God is saying for believers, you have to submit yourselves one to another. I have to submit myself unto you. I try to do that as much as I possibly can. But I'll tell you this, sometimes my flesh rises up. My flesh will will, will 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 say things. My flesh will be no, no, no. Why do we have to do this? Come on, really? I don't wanna. Right? <laughs> what do we have to do with our flesh? Shut up and sit down. <laughs> we have to approach it that way. 
put it in its place and say, no. You know what we're doing today? We're listening to the Holy Spirit. There are believers that need edification. There are believers that need encouragement. There are believers that need to see the love of Christ in us. There are believers that need to see us submit ourselves unto them so that they in turn can submit to someone else. They need to see the submission of God in your life. Tell you one of the greatest things that you can do with those that are that you're that are over you is you show that you're submitted to God and they will see that. They will see that. Take a look at Hebrews chapter thirteen. Hebrews chapter thirteen. There, there's a lot here in Hebrews thirteen. I'm not gonna. I don't have time to cover all of it, but I want to pick up a couple of key verses here in Hebrews chapter thirteen. <clears throat> Verse 17. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. So he says, obey and submit. So we know they are connected. Obey and submit. For they have, for they watch for your souls. Now look, I understand that sometimes we can think the United States government doesn't give a, uh, a you know, two cents worth thought about who we are. And I totally get that. I totally understand that. But he says they watch for your souls. Let's let's start close to home. Let's start with parents. Let's start with employers. And he says, those that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Not unprofitable for them, but for the one that is unwilling to submit and unwilling to obey. Because understand this, they have to give an account. We like to see it when our children do what is right, make the right decisions. Sometimes, when they don't, it's grievous. But I will tell you this. Here he says, you need to understand this. The commission that they've been given is to watch out for you. Parents, your primary job, watch out for your kids. Tell them about the pitfalls. Tell them about what lies ahead. Tell them what's on the road. Tell them there's dangers. Tell them the bridge is out. Tell them the floods, the, the floods wash the road out. Tell them they're getting ready to head into a very dangerous place. Tell them. Warn them. Warn them. If you're an employer, if you have employees that you're over, do the same thing. Because remember, you're going to have to give an account for that. You're going to have to give an account for the people that you were over. You're like, wait a second. Nobody told me about that when I signed up for it. That's why it's helpful to read the Bible, by the way. (laughs) You get the full understanding of what you're accountable for. But here he says in in, in all of this in verses 1 through 5, take a look at what he says in the beginning part of the chapter. He says, let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. 
For thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember that them that are in bonds has bound with them and which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable and undefiled. All of these things he starts talking about how they're supposed to live their lives, how they're supposed to do what they're supposed to do. And these things he says, look, you need to have a mindset for other individuals. And he gets to this part in this portion of the chapter where he says, you need to learn to submit yourselves to those thinking about they have to give an answer for what you do. It's not all about us, is it? It's not all about us. Turn over the book of Romans. Another parallel passage, if you will. Romans chapter 13. Same chapter number, which is, which is interesting to note. In Romans chapter 13, Get me okay over there? <laughs> Sorry about that. No, 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 no worries. I just want to make sure you're okay. Uh, uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Oh. For there is no power but of God. Oh. For the powers that be are ordained of God. Oh. <laughs> Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. Oh. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. You want trouble in your life? Mouth off to a cop during a traffic stop. Man, you have to have a lot of grace to be a cop nowadays. Oh, I just, I've seen some of the interactions. And the First Amendment auditors and the sovereign citizen guys and things like that. Man, thank God he did not let me go into law enforcement. Because I have not a lot of tolerance for that group. Not a lot of tolerance. There was a there was an incident that happened just a, the other day. There was a call over in the center for a road rage incident with a firearm. So six of Ridgefield's finest go roll and code over there, and they notice that there's a vehicle that's tailing them, keeping pace with them, by the way. When they're rolling code with lights and sirens, they're driving faster than the posted speed limits. This guy's keeping up with them. They thought it was one of, because it looked kind of like one of the other vehicles, and they're like, wait a second, is that... And they thought, okay, well, maybe it's this, and you know, maybe it's the new lieutenant or something like that. And, and then this guy, they pull, they get out, and this guy hops out of the car with his cell phone. And they're like, "What are you doing?" And they're like, "I'm here to make sure no one gets hurt or dies." Thank God I'm not a cop. <laughs> But you know what? I look at that and I say, that's a person that has some issues about submission. I get it. I understand there's bad cops. I'm not going to say all of them are good. It's like saying there's good doctors and are all good. Mm, No, they're not. It's like saying that all pastors are good. Mm, No, they're not. But what we find here is God says, don't do it. Otherwise, you're going to cause trouble to yourself. Just submit. Just submit. They're there for a reason. He carries a sword for a reason. 
They're, 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 they're trying to do what's good works. He talks about a minister of justice. He's all these things that are supposed to be helping you. And if you do that, which is right, then you're not going to have a problem. Right? He says the same thing over there in first Peter chapter five. There are people that are over it that we have to submit to. And in order to accomplish what we just talked about in this point, we have to submit to ourselves to God. And in order to accomplish what we have to do in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we realize that we have to submit ourselves unto the righteousness of God. Turn to 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 27. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 27. You know what you have to do every single day? You finally get to keep somebody else in subjection. You know who that is? You. You got to control yourself. In verse 27, he says, but I keep my, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What does he say? Hey, look, I don't want to make it, the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ of none effect. I don't want to be somebody that is just, you know, when somebody speaks that they look at that person and they go, yeah, hypocrite. You know, they don't want to be that. So you know what they do? What, what Paul does? He says, I'm going to bring my body into subjection. You know what that means? I'm going to keep it under control. I'm not going to gluttonize. I'm not going to go above and beyond. I'm not going to fill myself with pride. I'm not going to sit there and laud myself as I'm number one, and so on and so forth. He says, I'm going to bring it into subjection. And what is it being brought into subjection of? of? Well, God. We have to bring it as a sacrifice. A living sacrifice and say, here's my body, Lord. I want it to do what you want it to do. I want it to desire what you want it to desire. I want it to follow what you want it to follow. I have to be submitted. I have to be in subjection. And I have to be yielded to it. Romans chapter 6 says, if whoever you yield yourselves to is whoever you are a servant to. If you yield yourselves unto righteousness, you will serve and please God. But if you yield yourself unto sin, you will be in bondage and you will make your life miserable. That's what Romans 6 talks about. He starts off the chapter with, are you saved so that you have liberty to sin? He says, God forbid. Don't continue in that. Don't continue in that. I want to close with this. I want to go over to one passage. I want to use this as an example, an illustration. I want you to turn to Judges chapter 11. Judges chapter 11. I know I've gone a little over time, but just just bear with me on this. Judges chapter 11. Judges chapter 11. (laughs) 
Judges chapter 11, verse 29, here's Jephthah. He's one of the judges of Israel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh, and over Mizpah and Gilead of Gilead. Uh, from Mizpah of Gilead, he passed over unto the children of Amnon, and Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord, careful what you vow, and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon in, uh, Ammon, I'll get it. Ammon into my hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace uh, from the children of Amnon, surely will be the Lord's. I will offer it up for a burnt offering. We know the story of what happens. He gets victory. God gives him a victory. And it says there in verse 34, And Jephthah came to Mizpah unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and dances, and she was his only child beside her. He had no, and he had neither son nor daughter. First that comes out is his daughter. He just made a vow unto God saying, I'm going to do that. Did he actually offer her up on an altar and burn her alive? No. God would never accept that. That was prohibited. That's what you did with Molech and Himnon. And he said, you do that, you're going to die. He had to go back on that vow, didn't he? But he still paid it. In this passage... He, he, he says in verse 35, and it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, for thou art one of them that trouble me. That's not her fault. Come on. For I have opened my mouth unto the Lord and I cannot go back. He, okay, yeah, now it is your fault, Jephthah. All right, let's, good. At least you're admitting that. And she said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to that which proceedeth out of thy mouth, for as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even of the children of Amnon. And she said unto her father, Let this thing be done for me. Let me alone two months, that I may go up and down upon the mountains and bewail my virginity, I and my fellows. And he said, Go. And he sent her away for two months, and she went with her companions and bewailed her virginity upon the mountains. And it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned unto her father, who did it with her according to his vow, which he had vowed, and she knew no man. And it was custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite, four days in a year. Why did she get such an honor? Because she was willing to sacrifice everything that she was planning on. A husband, children, a family, a life. All of that she just saw burn up right in front of her. Because of a vow. You know what she did? She submitted herself to her father. Why? Because she saw the devotion that he had to God. She, 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 she shared her father's desires. She shared her father's 
you know, if you will, honor of who God is and, and the victory that was brought there. And, and again, it, this is one of the most touching passages of Scripture that you could ever read about this. She submitted herself unto what her, her dad said to do. But it's her life. Nope. She said, I'm going to submit myself unto the Father. Because he submitted himself unto his Father, God. I'm going to share that same devotion. And you know what? It, they, the young women of Israel, yeah, they honored that. Because it was a devotion to God. It was more than a devotion to a parent. It was a submission to God. There's an importance behind submission, subjection, and yielding. Because I tell you this, to whom we are overall yielded and, and, and subject in our life, that's going to be our God. If we're yielded to ourselves and only ourselves, and we're subject only to ourselves and what we want, then we are our own God. We've set up an idol. Let's just be honest. We've set up an idol. And that idol wears your face, my face. That's a, that's a problem. You know, this is why submission and subjection and yielding is so important. You know why? When you pray that prayer, search me and try me, O God, you know how God answers that? He says, okay, let's talk about submission. Who are you yielded to? Who are you subject to? Search me and try me, right? You want to know who controls the reins of the heart, right? Isn't it interesting we call them reins? And what do we call it when a king rules? Doesn't he reign? Controls? Are we going to submit ourselves under the power of God? Are we going to submit ourselves under the Lord? Or are we going to resist? The only way that we can resist what the devil throws out there at us is to be wholly submitted to God. Our authority submitted unto his righteousness is what he tells us to do, tells us not to do. Submitted to him in his will, his works, his plan, everything he has for us. That becomes the critical thing. And those areas of submission, subjection, and yielding, they're like a gauge in our life. You start asking that question, and the answers start coming, you start realizing exactly where you are in your walk with God. Exactly where you are in submitting wholly to Him. In every area of your life. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this time. I thank you again, Lord, for an opportunity, Lord, to just briefly study the subject matter. And while there's so much more that we could have studied, so much more detail we could have gotten into, Lord, the subject matter is clear. The principle is clear. Your doctrine is clear. It's about submission to you and whether or not we're going to submit to you and what you tell us, what you tell us is right, what you want for us in our life. 
And Lord, it is comforting to know that as you have others over us that watch out for our souls, you are also watching out for ours. And Lord, I just pray that we'd understand that concept this morning. That we wouldn't bring grief, but we would bring joy in the submission process, in the subjection process, in whom we yield ourselves to, which should be you and your spirit. Lord, again, I pray when we take these principles this morning, we learn from them. We walk away here, Lord, meditating and thinking on it to make a real change in our life. And Lord, if there is some repentance that's needed, if there is something that may have struck a chord with someone here, Lord, I pray that they'd get that resolved. I pray that they would get that taken care of. They begin to realize that the warning sign is clear. They're on a road and path to rebellion if they don't submit to you and what you've just said. And that includes submitting themselves to you and those that you put over them. And Lord, I pray that we they would just have that understanding. Lord, again, I just thank you for this time. I pray you just continue to be with us and encourage us and comfort us as we sing these hymns of praise unto you. I thank you for all you've done. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.